stood on this side. Whew, you look good. Um, okay, well, welcome to the people online also. Welcome everyone. I imagine, like me, you may be thinking, what is she doing up there? Trust me, I have no idea. As soon as Invenisi uh, and Cephas asked if I could teach during this mental health series on healing our past, my first response was absolutely not. No way. My training is in counseling, one person at a time, not preaching. So um, I do love... Catherine's message a few weeks back that the Lord can use ordinary people and he really does pick anybody to share his word so here we are and watch out you may be next <laughs> um, <clears throat> so but really the only way I could wrap my head around teaching up here was to pretend like we are all in a counseling session so welcome you've arrived at your counseling session Settle in. I hope you feel safe and good. We're going to dive in deeper. Um, but that looks like I am going to ask and for you guys to be curious and introspective internally. But thank goodness that the Lord is the counselor and he will meet all of you in your own seats, in your own place. And I will just read my notes and the Lord can do his work. But let's posture before him and pray. Um, Lord, I am thankful that you are here in this place, and I'm thankful that you are the counselor and the teacher, and you know every heart here, and you know every barrier to healing. And so I pray that you, um, by your mercy and your grace, meet each person in their place, and you glorify yourself in their life. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Um, so... Last week, um, if you're new today, we are in a mental health series, and this is week two. And last week, Cephas did lay the groundwork for us, um, that we're made in the image of God, and that simultaneously we live in a broken and cursed world full of sin and heartache. So we can all agree that the need for emotional healing is hard to escape, no matter how fast we try to run from it. Even if it is not diagnosed as a mental illness, we all struggle at one point or another. Even in preparing this time, the enemy is quick to remind me of all of my failures and weaknesses. He is quick to accuse and remind me of my fallen humanity. But I will trust the Lord's promise that his grace is sufficient for me and is sufficient for you. And his power is made perfect in my many weaknesses. Many of us are unsettled internally, admitted or not, because of our own personal sin harm done to us by others, deferred hope, hard family life, experiencing a natural disaster and tragedy, or just day-to-day -day hardship of life. The list goes on, and we know the world is not as it should be. Now, suffering is a central theme in Scripture, so we can be assured we'll experience suffering here on earth. This is a, there is a popular prosperity gospel theme that circulates through Kenya and the rest of the world. There's a belief of a constant comfort, a well-being, riches, and success to be experienced as followers of Christ. But that is not the full gospel Jesus declared in Scripture. It is remarkable how many stories in Scripture, Old and New Testament, deal with healing in some capacity. 
Jesus has called us to be like him in his suffering so we can know the power of his resurrection. Uh, We have the miraculous gift, which is absolutely miraculous, Holy Spirit-empowered gift of being able to take joy, we take joy in our suffering because we are filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, according to Colossians 1.24. We can take confidence in the fact that the Lord doesn't waste anything and any suffering or hardship we endure, he can heal it and give us the joy in the ability to share the good news of the gospel from the very soil of the heartache, building his kingdom and equipping the church for for good works. Joseph, in the book of Genesis, he taught us what the enemy intends for evil. The Lord can and always bring it to good and redemption. And so back to Colossians 1.24, I've heard someone say in the past, and it's really stuck with me, that some people have extra large cups of suffering that they are filling up while others have tiny espresso cups. Um, I don't know everyone's story and the immense heartache someone here may have experienced, but I do know we all have a part to play in wrestling with suffering and persevering into redemption by his grace and mercy. So again, last week, Cephas talked about Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, and the Lord asked, where are you? So are you ready for our first introspective activity? I would like for you to imagine you are in the garden and you hear God ask, where are you? Close your eyes if you need to and spend a few moments recognizing your initial reaction. Adam responded, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So this is God the creator of all things. Of course, he knows exactly where they are, and he knows also exactly where you are. Uh, He is always pursuing us and asks us the same question so we can articulate to him and bring into light where we are in relation to him. How you initially respond to his question indicates where you are on this healing journey. The topic of today is supposed to be or is, dealing with our past through heartache and healing. But truth is, there's no formula or straight path to healing heartache. Don't we wish there was a magic wand to make pain and suffering disappear? Healing is never linear, and grief can look different for every single person. It is a lifelong process of discovery and pushing against darkness until we are called home and collapse in a loving father's arms and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. The whole story of the Bible is God pursuing us to redeem us from the grip and effect of sin, death, and brokenness. And he has promised that we can experience some of his kingdom coming and his will done on earth in our own hearts and relationships. So there's no formula to healing. Sorry for that bad news. But there are a few things that scripture has taught us that will aid in the process. So here's where we're going. Healing requires having a right view of God, an honest view of ourself. Healing impacts our entire being, our head, heart, our soul, and our body. 
and healing happens in the context of community. So throughout our time, I'll be alluding to tons of scripture, uh, but I only have put just a few up on the screen. Um, scripture is full, first, the right view of God. Uh, who scripture teaches us that he is and what he has done has to be our lens and the forefront of our thought. Scripture is full of the promises that the Lord is healer and can and redeem what is broken. I'll highlight just a few here, but it is worth taking your own time to look up even more and receiving them as truth for yourself. So in Exodus 15, 26, God claims to Israel, I am the Lord, your healer, Jehovah Rapha. David took confidence in this truth of the Lord when he wrote Psalm 147.3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. In Psalms 34.18, he writes, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You are never alone in your brokenness. In Psalm 23, David knows the shepherd restores our soul. The study of the word restore indicates the Lord will give back what was taken. The prophet Joel says he will restore the, the years the locusts have stolen. The prophet Jeremiah speaks the very word of the Lord in Jeremiah 31, 25. For I, the Lord, will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. In Luke 4, Jesus proclaims to fulfill the promise of Isaiah 61. He says, I am sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Jesus invites us who are weary and heavy laden to come to him and he will give us rest for our souls. So the real turning point in history that we can take confidence in for our healing is what Jesus did at Calvary. Isaiah 53 says, He, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And by his wounds we are healed. Hebrews 4.15 promises that we have a high priest that is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And Hebrews 12 invites us to look to him who endured the cross and all of the trauma, shame, and feelings of abandonment that came with it. One of our favorite children's Bibles to read to our kids is the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I think it does a really great job of explaining this phenomenon. So I'll read a little excerpt. <clears throat> Papa, Father, Jesus cried, is there any other way to get your children back? To heal their hearts? To get rid of their poison? But Jesus knew there was no other way. All of the poison of sin was going to have to go into his own heart. God was going to pour into Jesus' heart all the sadness and brokenness in people's hearts. He was going to pour into Jesus' body all the sickness in people's bodies. God was going to have to blame his son for everything that had gone wrong, and it would crush Jesus. After the Lord lets us know he can sympathize with our weakness because he has experienced every bit of pain and suffering humanity endures, he then invites us to approach his throne with confidence that we also may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. And the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is promised to us to fill us, 
Jesus calls him the helper who would teach us all things and bring to remembrance all things Jesus taught. Paul says in Romans 8 that the Spirit intercedes for us in our weakness. In Romans 15, Paul exhorts us to believe in the God of hope that by his Spirit, we can also abound in hope. Thinking back to how you responded to God asking, where are you? Do you initially believe these truths about the Father, Son, and Spirit and what he has done for you? Is your heart openly postured towards who the Lord is? Or do you have skepticism and doubts? Be honest with yourself and the Lord. Remember, he already knows where you are. The most important first step to healing from past or present heartache is the hope you can be healed. And there is a person that loves you and knows you and has promised and secured your healing. And we can trust his plan and timing for us is good. We may not have all the answers, but we keep our eyes on eternity, the long run, not only on the immediate relief. So the next phase in the healing journey is having an honest view of ourselves and our story. <clears throat> First, when looking introspectively, you must clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience for yourself. Be curious when looking back over your story of painful circumstances, not with an evaluative or interrogative eye, but with a curious desire to know more about yourself your past, and how you're showing up today. Take notice of how you tend to view yourself and your story and commit to showing yourself and your story compassion. We are intricate beings made in the image, image of God with dynamic and active hearts, souls, minds, and bodies. The Lord knows and has written every one of our days and has a plan of welfare and a future full of hope. But we also have an accuser. We all experience some form of suffering being in the broken world, but the enemy can deceive us into believing far worse about ourselves and others because of hardship. Revelation says, uh, Satan makes war on those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. Everyone who loves and follows Jesus, raise your hand. This is us, who the enemy is determined to make war on. Jesus told us the enemy's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. He is malicious and seeks to devour us at our weakest. If our hearts are the wellspring, he aims to poison the wellspring. He'll do whatever he can to keep us from living in the fullness of who we are as image bearers and agents of Jesus in building the kingdom. Our only hope is knowing Jesus has already defeated him. We have all experienced trauma or suffering. Wounds come from everywhere. Some cut deeper than others. Remember the extra large cup of suffering from Colossians 1.24. No matter how far back trauma happened, if it has not been properly healed, it is profoundly influencing your present life, how you view yourself and others, and how you interact with the world around you. If there is a short fuse for significant emotion, quick temper, quick anxiety or fear, quick despair, quick to, to condemn yourself or receive shame to any current life event, that is an indication that there is unhealed trauma in your story and possibly leaning towards mental illness. 
The greatest commandment to the, is to love the Lord your God out of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. And our heart, soul, mind, and body are all interconnected and simultaneously impacted by wounding and healing. But just for the sake of teaching, I'm going to try to break it up and uh, focus on just one aspect at a time. So first, our heart. <clears throat> our heart has a capacity to be written upon. In Proverbs, Solomon tells us to write tells us to write the Lord's words of love and faithfulness on the tablet of our own heart. It is written in Jeremiah and Hebrews that the Lord himself writes his law on the tablet of our hearts. So of course, the enemy will also try his hand at writing his message of destruction on our hearts. Jeremiah warns us in chapter 17 that the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With a point of diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart. So here's my next invitation to be introspective. Ask the Lord to search your heart and let you know what is written on the tablet of your heart because of your story. Is it promises of the Lord? Or is it grievous, grievous messages of shame, distrust, fear from the evil one that reigns supreme within you? Your heart already knows what you believe. You can now just name what you already know. Jesus tells us in the Gospels that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we believe in our heart about ourselves or the world around us will come out in some way. In our marriages, friendships, parenting, workplace, ministry, you name it, it's coming out. You know the phrase, hurt people hurt people and healed people heal people. Thankfully, there is healing for our heart. So it's easy for me to think of a heart being a tablet of clay. Even with dried clay, I didn't know this, but I looked it up, make sure. It is possible to get it wet again to be reshaped. No matter how long you have believed in a lie in your heart that has caused more suffering, you can join David in praying, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Blood and water flowed from Jesus on the cross to wash us clean, and by his grace, he can write his truth in our heart and reshape our belief of who he is, who we are in him, and the world around us. 1 John three nineteen through 21 says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Thank goodness. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So a few other heart issues to consider that will aid in the healing process. Uh, one is the topic of forgiveness. Um, if you know you need to ask forgiveness from the Lord or another person, then do that. Lack of healing certainly does not have to be a sin issue, but if there is known unconfessed sin, it could be. It's always a good idea to have a heart of repentance. Also, forgive others their debts and trespasses against you. 2 Corinthians 2.10, And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. It seems like this is saying Satan has the ability to deceive us if we harbor unforgiveness. 
The next thought to consider is any unforgiveness in your heart led to a bitter root towards yourself or someone else. Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. When anger festers within us, it becomes resentment that leads to bitterness. An NIV version says it gives the devil a foothold. Hebrews 12.15, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up, and by it many become defiled. Like a weed diminishes the health of plants, bitterness will inhibit the fruit of the Spirit from flourishing. So here's another invitation for introspection. Ask the the Lord to reveal and sever any roots within you and give you the grace to receive and give forgiveness. And because he is powerful, he can do that in one breath, which is he reveals and can sever bitter roots. Another topic to consider in healing your heart is idols. Have you ever given your heart to anyone or anything else besides Jesus to be your savior and comfort? This could be an idol. Isaiah 30, 19 through 22 says, He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he he hears it, he answers you. And that the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, Then you will defile your carved idols, overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. Idols do definitely look different today. But you'll scatter them as unclean things, and you'll say to them, be gone. In the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. This says the Lord is the one who gives adversity and affliction. If we have turned to anything else and created an idol for our healing and well-being, But if we cry out to him, he hears and allows our eyes to see him and our ears to hear him. He is truly our only hope of healing and salvation. Next, let's try to summarize the soul of a person. Our soul is incredibly intricate, but can be simply defined as the immaterial essence of who we are. What makes you, you, and unique from any other person? I think... We can use the term soul and spirit interchangeably and categorize it as our devotion and relationship to God and our deepest inner workings. So those with more theological training can help me if that's not true. (laughs) When the Lord asks, where are you? How do you respond relationally to him? Is it with eager and free anticipation, like a little kid playing hide-and-go-seek? When my kids were about two years old, they would hide in plain sight. Right here, please find me. If it is anything short of running into his arms, be curious of what could be holding you back. Can you imagine yourself as this lamb being held In Psalm 42, David recognizes his soul is thirsty for the Lord and relates this with his soul being cast down and in turmoil within himself. 
When our souls are thirsty for Jesus, our systems will show signs of despair and anxiety, or even just grumpiness. You are designed to be dependent on him and satisfied by him at the core of you. So the healing for your soul, the best healing for the soul is spending time with Jesus and his word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. A practice that I have loved doing is journaling through the scriptures, a first-person response to Jesus, and listening for his response back to me. So I encourage you guys to do that too. And if it's your first time, you can. it's easy enough to start in the Psalms. David, who also experienced significant heartache. So just a, a quick look at his life. Like he spent um, his early years or his, so a lot of his years running from Saul, who hunted to kill him. His best friend dies. Uh, he brings suffering on himself through sin. His child dies. And he, there's probably more that we don't even know. Uh, but he's still called a man after God's own heart. He poured out every emotion of sorrow and joy to the Lord and surrendered to the Lord's response. So we can personalize David's words as our own. Another fantastic healing for your soul and surrendering your full self to Jesus is regular fasting. Isaiah 58, in the context of fasting, proclaims, then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. There's nothing like fasting that brings you before the Lord in true abandonment. Um, so another, just caveat, another area to be curious under this category of the soul is the enemy's plot to destroy you. So it's worth asking this question. Is this depression or oppression? A little clever way of asking that question. If, but if heartache and fear and despair feel absolutely impossible to overcome, no matter what, it might be a sign there's a spiritual oppression and you can't ask someone to pray for deliverance with you. So now we're on to the mind, heart, soul, mind. I think the way the Lord designed our mind is absolutely fascinating. I was going to try to unpack it all of how the mind responds during a trauma, but I don't have time. But go look it up on your own. You'll be truly amazed. We are truly fearfully and wonderfully made. But I do want to tell you, there is a fancy word called neuroplasticity. Everybody say that. Neuroplasticity. It basically means the Lord has designed our brains to heal. Hallelujah. And even science has proven the brain's ability to change and adapt as a result of gaining new information. So think of it this way. When we experience a traumatic event, a neural pathway is created in our brain. Picture a pathway blasted in the woods. The longer we have lived in the despair, the fear, the shame of the heartbreak, the stronger the neural pathway becomes, like we have walked that path in the woods over and over and over. It becomes habit to experience intense feelings, and we interpret everything through the lens of that belief. But scientists have found that new neural pathways can be formed and, ta and taken, and old ones can be forgotten. Think of a new pathway that is forged through use and an old pathway that is now overgrown. 
So Paul tells us in Romans 12, 2, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Being persistent and consistent in renewing our mind with truth will create a new neural pathway. Think of taking a machete through a thicket to create a new path in the woods. So the way we remember a traumatic event can be restored, like the Lord promised, and redeemed. He, he, Jesus promised to restore the years the locust have stolen. Colossians 3.2 is a command to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So be empowered to take the active step to purposefully set your mind on things of the Lord. You can be fully convinced of the promises of the Lord. They are indeed true. So some things to consider that aid in the healing of your mind. In Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, um, Jesus proclaimed to fulfill these. And there is a, uh, a link between being brokenhearted and captive and bound up. Having a broken heart makes one susceptible to make inner vows that are in agreement with the enemy. Inner promises to try to avoid pain, which makes sense in the moment. Like, I will never be hurt like that again. Seems easy enough. And it provides a sense of control and safety for that moment, but it does close us off from being fully surrendered to the Lord and his plan for the rest of our life if we continue in that, in that belief. The inner vows could be strongholds in your mind. St. Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. The enemy consistently raises up lies in our mind that are against the truth of Jesus and who we are in him to create strongholds that shut us down and hold our thoughts in bondage to emotional pain. If you do recognize you fully believe something that is opposed to the truth of the Lord, he has given you the weapons of warfare to destroy the stronghold. The blood of Jesus and his word. Repent and believe and commit to reinforcing the truth of the Lord in your mind to create a new pathway. Something else to consider is it could be a chemical imbalance. I can't go away without saying that, right? It is a proven fact that chemical imbalance in the brain can cause depression or anxiety. The Lord is still sovereign over healing and helping you persevere and finding the right doctor and the right medicine that helps. So lastly, we get to our body. <clears throat> so there's a book, it's called The Body Keeps the Score by Vanderkolk. It is a great resource for how trauma is stored in the body. When you have experienced trauma and because your brain tells your body how to act, you obviously have physiological symptoms stored in your system. When the memory is triggered in your head or heart, your body responds. It's like a knee-jerk reaction. So a, a pounding heart or a tight throat or a stomach or headache, you know, all of these are physiological reactions. Uh, even tears of grief let you know that something is worth paying attention to. So the healing for your body, when you pursue healing in your head and your heart, the healing of your body will follow. Also, making healthy, consistent life choices. 
how we eat, how we sleep, if we take a Sabbath, which could be a whole sermon series for another time, how we exercise, work, and even play all impact our emotional and mental state. In 1 Kings 19, after witnessing the Lord defeat the prophets of Baal, Elijah asked the Lord to end his life because it was just too much. And the Lord first responds with giving him a snack and a nap. Right? So it could be really easy. So think back to how your body physically responded to the Lord's question, where are you when you're in the garden? So our next piece, we did all of a heart, soul, mind, and body healing. The next is healing never happens in a vacuum. You're not isolated, but it, healing happens within healthy community. There is always a story behind behavior. The story of the particular way your heart has been wounded. Healing deepens when you are able to share your story with trusted friends or counselors who can offer you attunements and hold space for you to grieve and give you a place to land. So there are two players in that. There is one who is receiving a story and one who's giving a story. So get connected into a life group. Be willing to live an authentic community with one another. Be willing to fully know and be known and love one another deeply. We are all on this journey together. Usher each other to the foot of the cross with gentleness. Help each other see our stories in the light of a greater story. Remind each other of our true identity. I know I have personally benefited greatly from others reminding me of truth in my darkest hours. But there is a warning. Be fully aware that you have blind spots to what needs to be healed within you. What is in you is definitely coming out, most likely in your community, and it's courageous to submit yourself to others' perspective, but it's worth the depth of friendship that will occur when you walk in authenticity together. So as we're moving forward <clears throat> in healing, um, do let your heart take courage, the courage that it will need to moment by moment surrender to the healing process of the Lord and in inviting others into our story. Be willing to engage the process. It does take time, it's maybe a lifetime. It may take resources, and persevering and receiving grace. If Jesus' traumatizing journey to the cross ended in salvation for all who believed, then we can assume he will allow our suffering to be a catalyst for sharing this good news of the gospel with others, bringing heaven to earth as agents of healing and restoration. He will make us like him in all things. We must see our heartache, suffering, and illnesses in the light of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and future restoration. You may always have a limp, a scar, a sensitivity, a memory of the old path, but more likely than not, God can use your weakness to cultivate a compassion and strength within you to meet and walk with others in their similar sorrow. What the enemy tried to shut down in you could very well be your gifting that helps share the gospel and equip the church. So surrender it to the Lord to use. 
In Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, there is a time for everything. Ask the Lord if it is your time to be broken down or to be built up. Is it your time to weep or to laugh, to mourn or to dance? Whatever season you are in, look to him, the maker of heaven and earth, and trust that the victory is his. He can give us the joy and privilege of filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the glory of the church. But first, we may need a season to limit and grieve. When we trust Jesus with our deep sorrow, he meets us with deep healing. Betsy Tim Boom declared, There is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. So today, I am actually ending with the same psalm that Rebecca read earlier. I know, he hymns us in. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth. It's a song of praise to our God. And many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So I have asked you guys to be introspective quite a few times today. And if things have arisen within you and you want to come up for prayer and begin the healing journey right away, please don't hesitate. We'd love to have you.